Hello, and welcome to the Slow Style Home Podcast. If you don't want a cookie-cutter, generic home, and instead you want a beautiful, meaningful home that's layered with personality, then you are going to be so inspired by the conversations we have on this show. We talk about why the environments we create matter and how to set up our rooms to evoke specific feelings and experiences that are right for you wherever you are in your life right now. I'm Zandra, your host and creator of the Slow Style Home Framework that teaches you how to make really thoughtful and informed decisions about your home rather than chasing current trends that may not last or staying stuck with rooms you hate, feeling overwhelmed with too many choices. Right now, when you join our monthly membership, the Slow Style Society, you'll get a personalized deep dive into your vision of what a dream home looks and feels like. And together, we'll come up with a plan on how to achieve that. If that sounds pretty awesome to you, go to slowstylehome.com and click on Join the Society for all of the details. I'll tell you a little bit more about it later on. Right now, let's just jump into today's episode. Hey there, are you ready? Because today is the day when you start figuring out how to create a home you love right now with what you already have and in the home you're currently living in. I'm Sandra, your host of the Style Matters podcast, brought to you by Little Yellow Couch. And I truly believe that you should not put off living inside something beautiful and energizing and nurturing for some imaginary perfect time in your life. You need those things now. And to help you get started, go download our free guide that'll help you clarify what your style actually is. Now, I'm not talking about identifying a style category like farmhouse or boho. I'm talking about nailing down something specific and wholly unique to who you are. And at the end of the guide, I'll give you next steps on how to start putting that style to work. To get it, just go to littleyellowcouch.com and click on the yellow button right at the top. So welcome to Little Yellow Couch and the Style Matters Podcast. This community of listeners is your people. You found us, and I am so glad you're here. My guest this week is designer Anne hulcher Tollette, who runs the Virginia-based firm Hanover Avenue. We sometimes get laughing pretty hard like old friends during this episode, even though we've just met, and I hope that you feel Anne's warmth and humor as much as I do. Anne not only has impeccable taste and a phenomenal eye for design, you've got to check out the photos on the show notes page, but she's she's just so smart as she talks about her process and that's why I love talking with her. I think you'll find her perspective refreshing and her excitement infectious. And I guess you can tell that I have a bit of a girl crush on her. <laughs> anyway, let's get started with Anne. Anne Tollette, welcome to the Style Matters podcast. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Yay. Hey, y'all, we, we have been chatting for a few minutes and we're both laughing yeah. a lot. So I think yeah. this is going to be a really yeah, that's fun. The week, that was a weak introduction. That <laughs> yeah. didn't sound professional at all. It wasn't. It really wasn't. So oh, well. 
Oh, well. I feel like we've been friends forever already. So um, Me too. let's just jump in. First of all, we want to hear about your background. I, you know, I know a little bit. I, you have a, a degree in art history or sorry, in art. No, painting and print. Painting and printmaking, yeah. Awesome, awesome. And and I, I think you also worked for one of the big auction houses. Is that right? No, that was you? the craziest thing. Well, no, it was the weirdest thing. So I was at um I was at design school at the University of Georgia. Yeah. And there was this, it must have been in the New Yorker or something, but it said the the um title was so you wanna be an intern at Sotheby's. Okay. And and it was like basically it was like good luck. It's never going to happen. And it was like the most, I was like, so you want to be an intern? Psych. And so I remember reading it and I was like, well, now I'm going to do that. And so somehow I got the internship and it was really transformative. And that was right after my sophomore year in design school. And unfortunately, right as that was happening, my parents had this wicked divorce. And so I, I know, thanks. And so then I had to move back to Richmond and I- switched my major. And I think I did it just because I was just in a crisis. And at first, when I started my design career, I was like, felt kind of almost insecure that I like, didn't have a formal degree. I mean, I'd gone to design school, but I didn't finish design school. I finished right. in painting and printmaking. So I had the foundation. And now I'm like, that's the best thing oh. that I ever did. Because I feel like now I look at every project we work on. I feel like I was trained to look at it from the perspective of a true composition. Right. And I also think I have some art history references and can articulate things. It was just, it ended up being a very fortuitous turn of events. Yes. I mean, to but, me, yeah. that's, that's, the, that's <clears throat> a better way to do it. May, you know, go get the art degree first. Well, I think the other thing that I tell, I mean, I've taught just a handful of design classes, but I'm realizing now that so much that you learn, I mean, 20 years later, Design school is fantastic for learning the nuts and bolts of the technique, okay. really how to draw. Okay. It's very good at teaching you how to use all the software to get your idea onto paper. Yeah. Yep. Um, but it's also very beneficial to be able to physically draw with a pen. Yeah. So that when you're in a meeting with a client, you can you can sketch something very fast and say, right. well, this is my idea. So there's so many upsides of design school, but I mean, God, 99% of what I do you learn that in the field. I think uh, yes. you really, yeah, that's, I mean. Right, right. Exactly. Certainly the business of it. Um, totally. Yeah, yeah. But even, even some of the practical sides of it, just learning how a house is built, mm-hmm. just learning how, how things fit together mm. is so, is so good to know what you can and can't do, especially if you're knocking down walls and okay, sure. to have a clear idea. Like, it's like, you know where the floor joists go intuitively right. when you walk into a house because you can see where the you know, you know I mean the ceiling joists. You know what I'm saying? It's just yeah, yeah. So yeah, and you do that with a like in the field. Yeah, I yeah. Love I mean, that. I think if you're spitballing with a client and you see what direction the floorboards are running on the floor, then you know which direction mm-hmm. the floor joists are running. Mm-hmm. And if you you just can, so I think a lot of that you just learn by doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, you know, making mistakes, which we all have done. That's right. And we learn from it. them. At least that's the point. Yeah. So, so, okay. So that's so interesting. And, and Sotheby's. So how was that? That was incredible. Um, so I went to New York and it was a summer program and it was, you know, you're obviously got a lot of legs, pantyhose. I don't know if you remember those but legs in the egg in the egg. Oh, oh. yeah. Wow, I we're had dating ourselves, my friend. I know. Here we are. The older, <laughs> the better. But, um, but anyway, Barbara Dyseroth was the head of the department of 20th Century Works of Art. 
Mm. And so you were surrounded by the most incredible mm. fine arts and antiques and decorative objects. And so I really started to oh. learn. Yeah, it was, you were immersed in it. And then the next summer I was supposed to go work for them in London, properly work for them. Okay. Oh, okay. And, and I got transferred at the last minute to LA. And so Barbara would come out there too. And she was just an amazing mentor. And I got to go to different estates outside of LA all around. And Mm. as we were cataloging other people's beautiful collections, you got to see all of these things in the wild. Wow. I mean, it's like you just, so it was, I wouldn't trade that experience for the world. Wow. That sounds incredible. Especially you're young, you're in New York, you're in LA. I mean, how fun. Yeah. You can date an LA LA producer and just feel like you're. (laughs) Put a little check, check that box. Then you come back, then you come back to the East coast, say goodbye. (laughs) Yeah. It was fun. It was really fun. (laughs) Oh God. Okay. On your website, you say that good design is about creating a dialogue between every element in a room. And I love that. I, I, I think when, when those visual dialogues are in place, that, that is really what separates a room that's fine, good, with one that's incredible. And, and frankly, I really think yours are incredible. But yeah. creating a dialogue, I mean, what does that mean to the rest of us? Lay, layman's terms here. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah. And can it's you give me, us some I'm like, examples? <laughs> I'm like, huh, I need to rethink some body copy. Um, <laughs> I, I, it meant, maybe, it means that I wanted each piece to have, to kind of reverberate off one another and echo each other. Mm. And there's this thing that happens when I, I was starting to think like, how, what did I mean when I said that? Because it sounded so, <laughs> sounded brilliant when I thought of it. Uh, I guess it doesn't make any sense, but it's, it meant that I wanted each piece in the room to have a conversation with one another. And I kind of imagine it when you're at a dinner party, you know, when you're with people that you've never met before, and it's such a rich conversation because you're getting perspectives and it's informed by other people's experiences from all over the world and different walks of life. And so sometimes when you walk into a room that has this collected, intentional effortless. I know these are all words that seem like they're butting up against each other, but it creates almost like this reverberation, a little electricity, a little frise, you know, Mm. in the room. And that is what makes a room feel to me very interesting. Mm. And so we were, we were trying to talk as a team. So I was like, God, I mean, I thought that I don't know what I meant, but I know what I mean. Right. I was thinking about, (laughs) (laughs) I can draw it. Sandra. Right, there you go. Okay. There you go. I can make it happen. Um, but anyway, so we were talking about some chairs. I found these chairs that for one client, and this project hasn't been photographed yet, but if you're thinking just about a very standard furniture layout, like sofa, coffee table, two club chairs by a fireplace. Yep. I needed the two occasional chairs that are flanking the sofa facing in. Mm-hmm. They needed to be interesting. They both needed to have a really sexy back. Okay. To, you know what I mean? They needed because yeah, you can see the back. Right. And they needed to have a really cool conversation, a dialogue across from one another, but I couldn't have them be a pair because we already had a pair of club chairs by the fireplace. We found this fantastic vintage. um, It was like a Spanish modern mid-century that had this cool bent black metal back and we covered the seat in like a taupe pointed velvet, but then right across from, I know it's sounds really, it's, it's a fireball, but then across from it, it was like a an older 18th century French 
caning marquetry and oh. she was black too i don't know why uh-huh. they're both girls they're sisters they were they were girls um <laughs> but they're both the same size roughly they have a they have a different profile they're from a different era mm-hmm. they had a really great conversation with one of them and mm. when you see them together each one feels more interesting yes and that does that does that explain what was i mean in my head? I, I am with you i'm with you all the way and <laughs> I, I think that mix going from like you just said mixing different eras different styles they have one they have two commonalities size and color but Mm -hmm. um it's that mix that I think is it's hard it's what people struggle with and and I think that it just takes a lot of practice I mean obviously if you're going to become an interior designer and do this for other people you need to you need a lot more than practice you need a lot of other knowledge and skills but but for the rest of us I think that don't be afraid to try it out don't assume right. it's not going to work simply because things are different. They, it might be exactly what makes the room work. We'll be back after a quick break. I assume you're here because you want a one-of-a-kind, personality-filled home, right? Well, in order to have that, you need to define and develop your signature style, When you do that, you're going to understand how to mix what you already have with new things you find, focusing on who you are and what you love, putting it all together in a cohesive way. So what's stopping you? Well, let me know if this sounds about right. Not enough time, not enough money, and a lack of creativity or design knowledge, which makes you feel overwhelmed and insecure about pulling the trigger and changing things up. This is why I created the Slow Style Society, to help you take action on making your dream home a reality. It's part social club for people who like to just geek out on design, and part hands-on learning experience where you get better and better at making decor decisions for each room in your home. And for the next few weeks, I'm offering all new members an additional one-on-one style session with yours truly. So I'll take you through the lessons so you know exactly what to focus on inside the Slow Style Framework, in what order, and you'll have a personalized support system from me to get you there. Go to slowstylehome.com and click on Join the Society so we can get started right away. Let's not wait for that imaginary perfect time to create your beautiful, meaningful home. Again, go to slowstylehome.com and click on Join the Society. Okay, back to the episode. Well, here's some good like tricks of the trade, just if someone ever wants to just try it. I mean, a good jumping off point is, you know, just start with, are the seats the same height? Okay. Like, and then is the width and the depth similar? Okay. Right. And then, and then is the height similar? They're both, like I said, one's metal black, one's, you know, a deep ebonized marquetry Mm. wood. But, you know, if you just start to look at that and sometimes if you start to think like that more and more, and it was funny because I found those at high point market. And I was like, I I mean, that thing is as big as several football fields. And I was running this chair over to the other one being like, oh my God, I think these two things are in love. Like, I think (laughs) that they're in love and I got to go. And we put them next to each other. I'll email you the picture of, of placing them together in different booths. I was like, oh, they're in. They're in love. I would They're in love, love to see that. Yeah, it's kind of like those movies, those star-crossed lover movies where people are from different time periods, but they somehow magically yeah. find each other across time. 
Well, that's, I mean, that's how, that to me is how you create a convert, have pieces, have a dialogue in the room. And I think another, another piece of that is making sure that, that the scale and proportion where one thing doesn't dominate the conversation. Oh, okay. Right. So, right. So a lot of it is about thinking, you know, we need, this is an acapella singing group. Or this is a cast of a, of a play, really, where you have like, you have to have an actress, the, the leading lady, mm-hmm. you have the supporting actresses, the chorus, mm-hmm. and everything has to, you just can't have one thing go in there and, and scream and steal the show. Okay. And so we were just talking about this the other day, and some of my designers were bringing together some ideas. And there was just this one coffee table where it was like, oh, it just, <laughs> just you, fell you know, off. Yeah, it was like this 80s middle finger in the room. And it was, I mean, we even, it was just too, it, she was trying too hard. Okay. Yeah. And, and all of us were looking at it and we were like, we love her. She's the coolest table, but she's just, she's sucking all the air out of the room. She's dominating the conversation. So yes, that was a long way to get to a ham sandwich. Did I explain no, it? I love it. No, I think the more you say, the more we understand it. So yeah, I'm not going to interrupt you. You're, I'm just going to let you go. Okay. But that's, I think if people, if people really start to trust their intuition, yeah, I, I say this to my design team a lot too. You know, when, when you, when you're trying on an outfit and you're like, I got to take off one piece of jewelry, right. like I'm Coco over Chanel. Yes. Yeah. Remove it or there are other times when you're when you're seeing someone and you realize that they're definitely not dressed for their age. Mm. You're like <laughs> the I mean, I've done it before. I'm like, these legs do not support that skirt length anymore. <laughs> Glad I did that when I did it, but I can't do that today. Right, right. And it looks like I'm trying too hard. Right. But right. I think if you I think if you see things, if, if you group things together in a room, you're just gonna naturally start to hone your eye where you're like, oh, these things they're all making the other one better ah. and they're, they are talking to each other and they're making the other thing more interesting. There isn't one person dominating the conversation. Right. That, um, that dinner party again. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's, I think that's really helpful. Okay, and, good. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, this is along the same lines, I think of the mix, um, which is, incorporating things that are already there. And, and you've talked about that on your website. You know, you, you love working with pe- for people's furniture that they already have as much as you do starting from scratch in a, in a bare yeah. bones home. Um, and sometimes what you're working with is architectural and other times it's people's furniture or art, let's say. Um, yeah. How do you know things are going to work together? Like, because especially because I think some people, they go, oh, I'm just, I want to get rid of everything. I'm sick of it all. I just want to start over. And I think it's because they're not quite, they can't imagine it in any other place. They, it's been in the bedroom for 20 years as a, a chest of drawers. They cannot imagine moving it to the dining room to hold napkins. You know, how do you, how do you mix things together? How do you know it's going to work? So the first thing we do when we, we always tell clients that we're going to just kind of audit the situation. Okay. And so um, we'll go in and sometimes they have the coolest stuff and they don't even know it's cool. Right. So I love to kick it off by shopping in the client's stuff. Okay. Because they very often, everyone has, and this is what I always say. I mean, my job is to discover what someone's inherent style is because we all have Mm. one Mm. articulate it in a way that feels just like they thought of it but in mm. a way that they probably never even imagined, but they dreamed. Do you know? Right. Right. Yes. So, so that's, that's my job is to say, 
I have to hop in their brain and figure out what do they love? Because everyone has their own unique style. It's their thumbprint, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we'll go through and look at what they have. It's kind of all part of the process, like who they are, what they love, how they love to live today and tomorrow. And so we'll go in and look at all their pieces. And sometimes they'll say, I bought all this stuff with my ex-husband and it's out of here. Oh, and, right. Right. And so Which in is, that situation, because yeah. then it's, then it's, it's a, it's a bad memory Sure. But sometimes, but sometimes they'll have this thing and they're like, I got this when I had my first college apartment because <laughs> Nana gave it to me and I feel guilty if I get rid of it. And I'm like, that's pretty awesome. Exactly. And if we put this next to this other piece, so we'll measure audit and we'll keep it all in their file. And then very often, and sometimes we'll say like, what of these pieces are sacred? And very often people have the pieces that they know are sacred because they mean something to them. Even if they're, even if there are people that hire us that are very young feathering their first nest, okay, they'll, they'll have something that reminds them of home or travels or whatever. So everyone, like I said, has their thumbprint and then we'll keep those pieces. And as we're pulling together the design vision, I'll sometimes say, Hey, you know what? Remember that awesome thing that you had in the guest bedroom? What if we use that here? And if you kind of slip it in within other stuff, Mm -hmm. it's a way to see it new. And so, and it also saves them a ton of money and it gives them, you know, a good history. And the other thing that we do a lot is bust up the set. Okay. Yes. The sets, I know the the sets are so, they're so confining and boring, frankly. I know. I just, yeah. So there's so many times where people, and it might just be like a vestige of the seventies, you know, the bedroom mm-hmm. with the faux bamboo. Like, <laughs> I love all that stuff. And that's the thing. Like, I love it, but it's like, I don't want to see like a, t- like a tall dresser, short dresser, bedside tables, chair, everything's the same. So we'll, exactly. we'll say, this is the coolest stuff, but let's bust this up and uh-huh. put that those little chairs, let's make that a little weirdo chair in a hall and let's put this dresser somewhere else. So that's how that, and same with dining room chairs. We'll, we'll bust up that set and sometimes use the inherited pieces, obviously recover them and then introduce two new head chairs. Right. And then, and then put those head chairs in a hallway or as a desk chair. So it's just, you know, I think a lot of designers do that. I think it's just our job to help the client see who, it's to reveal to the client how cool they are, how awesome they're tasting. I mean, because really, I mean, they really clients have the coolest inherent style. And, you know, they, you can have, everyone has good taste. I just believe they do. And they just don't know how to get it out of their brain oh, and pop wow. it into a room. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's awesome. And your clients must love hearing that. I mean, most must be a relief because I think a lot of people truly believe they can't do this. They don't have a vision. They don't know. Well, I think I hear a lot. I don't even know what I like, which is so sad to me. How can you not know what you like? But I think, I don't know why, but it's like, it's been drummed out of us or something. Just like, you know, it used to be cool to color with crayons. And then at some point in grade school, it's not cool anymore. You know? Yeah. So um, it's true. I think the other thing too, if people are ever saying to themselves, I don't know what I like, a, a really good starting point is just to open your closet and stare at the palette. Okay. Okay. Like, what do you love to wear? Yeah. What, yeah. Because that's like, if, if there's, if there's a color that you think you look pretty in mm-hmm. or, hands, or handsome in, mm-hmm. you know, so I always tell, well, I always love to look at how people dress. I always tell clients, 
when they're traveling, like send me, if they're eating an amazing meal and they don't even, it's, I want to see everything that they love because they do have a style. And I mean, I tell my clients all the time, I don't know how to be a breast cancer surgeon. Right. Right. They do. They do. (laughs) So, I mean, when they're like, I don't know how to do this. I'm like, I don't know how to be a lawyer. So, (laughs) but, but you know, it's, they do, everyone does have its style. They do. I love that. That's how you see your job is pulling it out as opposed to imposing it. And I think that's, what's really cool about your work. And I can hear it in your voice as you're talking. There's this energy there. You, you want the rooms to feel energized. You don't want them to feel decorated or done. Dude, I'm the, that I'm serious. That that is the worst feeling when I walk into someone's house and I'm like, I know, and it's horrible because you're like, I know that they just paid that designer a ton of money, and tons. guess what? It tons, and I've been to that flipping showroom in Paris, right? Where I'm like, I just saw it. Yeah, I just saw everything, and that's that feeling of paint by number. Mm. That to me is a real shame, and I think that that's that is not someone really unearthing who, who that person truly is. It's mm. taking just something that they've seen and is carefully curated. And my God, it's gorgeous, right? right it sure. Is gorgeous. Sure. I mean, it's the a things showroom. are beautiful. Yeah. Right. But it's not it, that when I see that, I'm always like, Oh, that's such a, like such a shame because anyone else can have that exact same room. And that's, what I'm saying you want to walk into, I want my clients to walk into their house and, and it, for it to feel as dynamic and interesting as they are, there's mm-hmm. only one of them. There mm-hmm. should only be one of their houses. And it's another thing when people are always like, can you tell me where you got that thing or what yeah. you did? For and I'm like, I kind of can't. That person paid me to find that. Like, yeah, sure. You know, you know what I mean? I'm sure. like, I'll share, I'll share some things, but I'm like, no, that's top secret. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's just between us. And then, but I'll be like, I'll find a perfect color for you. Right. Um, right, right. So yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's how I think you get the mix is um, it's all about discovering your client. And it is true. We, I mean, we joke about it in this office, but we're really, we do kind of fall in love with our clients. We, mm. we're, we, you know what I mean? Like we love their house. We end up loving their pets and children. And so we invest so much of our um, brains and our heart. And so I think they'd probably say the same thing. I mean, yeah. they can tell we just adore them. So you well, do get to know them. It really is a very intimate relationship you have with oh, them, yeah. the way you're describing mm-hmm. it. You're getting into their brains. You're kind of getting into their deepest parts of them to figure out what re- they really love, what their passions really are. And so, yeah, it's yeah. very intimate. Another way I would describe your homes is, um, and I kind of just alluded to it when I said, you know, I don't like homes that feel quote unquote decorated. I I don't want this to be, I'm not trying to um, dismiss the incredible amount of work you put into it, but it's almost like, I don't know that a designer per se has designed it. Yeah. I don't want it to look like I've been there. Yes, that's exactly right. I look, I go, I, the homes that I see of yours, they look like some fabulously stylish, really interesting people live there that I would love to get to know better. And that's my great, goal. My, my, that's my goal. I don't want, I don't want someone ever to walk in and be like, oh, Hanover Avenue, just whitewash this place. Okay. Like, uh-uh. I, I, and my, I think, I think our, and I, t- I tell my team this all the time, our job, like I said, is to, 
find out who these people are, how they want to live, what their style is. And then we're supposed to execute this in a way that they only could have ever dreamed of. Mm. It needs to feel exactly like them. It shouldn't feel like us and it shouldn't feel like anyone else's house because it needs to be as, as personal as is to them. So I, yeah, I don't want it to look like I was there. Well, good. And I think, can because, I, and this isn't, yeah, here's the other crazy thing. Sorry. And talking, talking, talking. Is no, this a one that, that is your job. <laughs> this is your interview. So you talk. <laughs> well, I think the thing that, I think the thing that really stinks is, or, or what I, okay, this is what I'm trying to do is it's almost like we want to go in there. And like I said, there has to be that whimsy and personality and something that, that gives it a little sense of humor, but also something that feels and this is going to sound like the wrong word because I don't think it looks imperfect, but you got to do mm-hmm. something to just a little bit mess it up. Yeah. I, I know that sounds like I'm saying a bad thing, but you need to put in like that one, you know, thing in the room where it doesn't look like we bought it all for the room. It's right. something that they picked up. They found it. Yeah. And they're like, I love this thing. Bam. That I, it doesn't look like I picked it. And that's stuff that I have to pick all the things <laughs> they hire me to, but I need it to look like I did one there. Right. So you have to do something to just like tweak it. Tweak yeah, it I, I, absolutely. And, and I think that's what, that's when, you know, oh, real people live here because you yeah. like would never expect to see that particular little sculpture, for example. Yes. It doesn't like, what is that about? It doesn't, you know, how does that have to do with this room? And yet, oh my God, the story behind it's amazing. And everybody wants to talk about it. Um, Sometimes one fabric, like one fabric on a chair, one fabric on a chair seat that, that doesn't feel like it would have ever been meant to be in there, but Mm -hmm. like, it's a weird texture or it's a irreverent pattern, or it's Mm. got some like weird, I keep saying weird, but it's, it's something where it didn't look like everything can't be so perfect. Yeah. You know, when you walk in, something's like, and I don't want to say anything because I love every fabric line, but where you're like, geez, Louise, you literally picked, it's all from the same designer. Yeah. 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 Like just get, anyway, pick some vintage textiles, do something that, that busts it up and just makes it a little weird. Totally. Sometimes when I'm like futzing with things, I'll like on a shelf or something, I'll, I'll go. I'm like, okay, I need to find something ugly. Like this is too perfect. (laughs) I know you got to do something to kind of screw it up a little bit. Yeah. It's so true though, but but it's really, you know, there, um, that really does make it look like we weren't there. And that is the humor in it and the sense of humor. And it also, when there is something that's just a, a slight dissonant chord. Uh huh. That is when people look at a room and they stop for a second. They yes, right? Yes. Because they're like, "Hey, what what are you doing?" And it's that one dissonant chord that keeps the melody going. But it is it's very important, and that's what that's where I think that's our job as designers to to be like, "No, no, no, don't paint by number." Like, mm-hmm. let's let's show you some cool stuff that you didn't think would work. That's our job is to show them what they haven't seen on Instagram. Mm, what they right. You know, Right. Yes. I love that idea of being stopping in a room and then going, wait a minute, what? And then looking again, a room that takes me 10 seconds to scan. And I've literally seen everything. That's boring. I want to see, I want to go up to a shelf and go, wait a minute, what is that? Totally. And yeah. So yeah, you, you do, you do that so beautifully. Thank you. I I wanted to, (laughs) 
and I mean it. Um, I want to talk about Common House, which, um, well, you and I were talking about a little bit before we started recording. Common House is a social club, which I don't even, I didn't even really know what a social club meant. And it's kind of being reinvented by these folks Mm. that are creating them. There's three of them now, I believe, and you've designed two of them. Tell us a little bit about it. The owners, the founders are, and two of the founders are um, dear friends of mine or have, they became, they became very good friends as we were doing the whole project. Okay. Um, but anyway, they wanted to create, both of them were members of Soho House, they're creative types, and they wanted to create, Soho House asks, um, what do you do? Yep. And Common House asks, what do you love to do? Ooh, That's the difference. Wow. Right. So they were trying to create a club where it wasn't about you know, it wasn't a scene like seeing and being seen. It was networking, business status. Yeah. Yes. This was more um, trying to create, trying to create a place that felt like a home away from home where people could have both serendipitous and kind of planned Mm. interactions where you are suddenly um, meeting people from your community that you never would have been meeting (sighs) with. Wow. So they'll have like, they'll have like a chocolatier come in and I always call it, I feel like it's adult camp where you get to go <laughs> right. learn how to make like a wooden spoon and you're, you know, one of the top attorneys is making a spoon next to, you know, a nurse. Yeah. And, and they suddenly are like, oh my God, we have so much in common oh. and they're talking and, and then they realize, you know, same. So it's, it's yes. trying to build community rather than um, being elite. Yeah. And also we are so disconnected because first the Instagram came along, which, you know, I love the Instagram too, but I mean, social media has allowed us, I mean, way back starting with YouTube or MySpace. I mean, it's allowed us to only connect with people we already know. That's right. And, and, and then we have the pandemic where we had to socially isolate. So, I mean, this, this is really needed. This, this, like you said, serendipitous interactions that are it's enriching. Really great. Yeah. It's good. So, I mean, so you were tasked with designing two of them and, and, and these are in um, Richmond and Charlottesville, Charlottesville. And then they uh-huh. have another one in Chattanooga. Um, right. And I, and I think what they're doing that's so smart is they're hiring design firms and architects from the region where they're working. Okay. So I'm obviously a Virginian, so right. I did Charlottesville and Richmond. Yeah. And then, but again, it's fostering community. Yeah. So why would you bring in someone from out of town? Makes sense. Why would, yes, yeah. support. I mean, they practice what they preach. They're mm-hmm. great guys. I mean, that was such a fun job. And I mean, talk about, talk about getting to do the mix because even though that's a commercial job, we were allowed to use some really wacko stuff. I mean, right. you know, antiques and stuff that are not meant to go in a commercial application yeah. at all. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the owner, Derek was so daring and he was like, you know what? It doesn't matter we can always buy another one when this thing falls apart, but I don't want to have a commercial chair in here. Love that. I know. I know. Let's use it. Let's use it. Let's yes. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't just buy something um, that's, that's commercial grade. Yes. Because we need it to last. Let's use something that has a lot of character. And because that's why I want to be in those clubs. I mean, I see the picture and go, Oh, I could hang out there for hours. I could work there. I could have a drink there. I could, I mean, I go to a lecture there. 
They let us find stuff too. I mean, things, a couple of the chairs I think came over from maybe Denmark. I mean, we were, we were sourcing from all over the world. And the first one was done obviously before the pandemic, when you could get a chair in Denmark and it could be in America in six weeks. <laughs> those good those old days. days. <laughs> those good old days. But, you know, they, so that was where it was, it allowed us to just really expand our horizon. And I would say that that's something, I mean, when I was looking at what you wanted to talk about, one of the things that I thought was worth mentioning is when you are finding antiques from all over the world or wherever, sometimes I think people, well, one, it gives the house a story or a club, a story. Yeah. Um, and even if you yourself weren't in Denmark finding the chair or mm-hmm. your great grandmother is not, you know, from Denmark, right. You can still have a story where you're like, my designer was in the basement of this thing, FaceTiming me right. and it was, you know, and it was this time zone <laughs> and that, so there's still a story to it. And it does give a house or a club or any environment, something that feels unsterile. I mean, it feels mm. like, you know, isn't that the, and that's yes. so I loved doing those clubs because they really let us do whatever we wanted to do. Oh they were so creative and fun. I know I love them. They're cool. And they're very different as, as you would expect them to be different cities, different vibes. Yep. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Really fun. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, so fun. Really fun. So yeah. speaking of the fact that these are in uh, Virginia, in the South, you're a Southern girl, at least born in the South, but you've lived a lot of different places. Do you think there's a, there's like a Southern design? I, I thought about this a lot because, um, and this is as Instagram has kind of made everything feel like the same. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I would say is the overarching trend in Southern design, and it's really whether or not we're doing a very modern house or something that's extremely tradition traditional i think every southern space is gracious okay it it beckons i i try to make sure every space welcomes you in so even if it is extremely distilled there is mm. a warmth and a comfort mm. because southern women we <laughs> yeah i mean no one says my mom used to always be like, don't touch that. That's for company. No one has company. <laughs> like, okay. I really wanted some of these peanuts. Um, but anyway, you know, we don't, we don't entertain company. We don't have people just drop in as they used to, Right. but we do as Southern women want houses to feel very gracious mm. or any environment, whether we're designing a restaurant or a club or a house, it needs to beckon you in and make you feel comfortable. And it's, we were just having this conversation with another client where the entryway, and it's, this is a house that's being built from the ground up. And there was an architectural element that was starting to feel like high by, like you walk in the door and it's like, get out of here. Oh, you know interesting. I mean? okay. It was so crazy. Yeah. It was this it, bizarre Like it was off-putting kind of, or what do you mean? Well, it was this big, it was this big monolith that was going up. Hmm. And that the architecture of the project had changed significantly since it began. And it's one of those things where you're always auditing the design process. And you're always saying to yourself, it's back to what we keep talking about. Like, is anything taking the life out of the room? Is anyone sucking the oxygen out of the room? And this one thing, I was like, I know why this was designed three years ago. Okay. But today, as the project's evolving, this architectural element might not be the right mm. thing anymore because it mm. was creating this barrier oh. where you walk in the door and it's like even if I'd put a mirror on it to to welcome you in, yeah, it just felt like hello goodbye. Wow, and, like a door so, slamming in your face more. Totally, okay. totally. And wow. so I think we're I've, we're trying to figure out like okay, what is the solution 
to have this entryway of this phenomenal modern house Uh draw, draw you in. Okay. Welcome you. So that I think is the Southern, if there was ever something that is very Southern, it's that most Southern houses, environments, designers, I think kind of have that tradition of a gracious, welcoming room. And that's graciousness is such a beautiful, beautiful thing because there's kindness to it and generosity and, 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 and authenticity, you know, presuming that's the kind of graciousness you mean. And yes, it's very beautiful. So, all right, but we have to go back to this project. So what did you do instead? We're working through it. So the very first thing I did was I called the architect who's a dear friend of mine and just said, Hey, this thing I'm standing in the space. Cause you know, the building is evolving. And I was like, I know this thing is supposed to be built here. It's not built yet. Oh, okay. This, well, this is good. me. This is me thinking down the road. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not built yet. And I was standing there and saying to him, do you think that this might be something that was just a vestige of the past? And we need to kind of rethink it. Like it was part of the old design thinking. Mm-hmm. Do we need a so he and I FaceTimed and I, you know, and then I talked to the client about it. And so we're just going to, we're not going to like kill it off yet. We're just going to rethink it. Cause there are these, and that is, those are the design gods that I mm. always say descend on a project. Oh, Every project has them. And I always tell my team and everyone like, hold on to an idea lightly. Okay. Don't, you know, because yeah. you have to allow rooms for the design gods to come into the project and, and be aware. And it's so, it's not, I know it's not like a spooky weirdo, but no, like, no. it's, it's, <laughs> but it's real because so in that moment, as I'm standing there, imagining that this huge monolith is going to go up 10, 20, 10, 15 feet from the door. I'm like, there's this massive view out onto these gorgeous oh. mountains. Oh. Why are we? Yeah. Wow. So, so, so it, that's yeah. so different than the stories that you hear when somebody's working with a contractor, especially if there's only a contractor involved, um, you better know what you want ahead of time and you better stick to it because every little change you make is going to cost you. And, and yeah, it does cost. Um, but I mean, it's almost the opposite of what you're saying. Like there's no room to be flexible in your thinking or to allow the project to evolve and to find out that, you know what, I actually don't want that particular architectural feature. So that's wonderful that you do that. Well, I think, but you, I think you have to know when you can do that because in that particular instance, that's being built by a cabinet mill worker. Like it's being, Mm. that's not something that was an architectural element that would have impeded the progress of the job. Okay. So I think, I mean, I think there's a balance of doing your due diligence at the outset I think if I had gone in and been like, hey, should we just raise these ceilings an extra 12 inches? Everyone would be like, like I'm going to kill your you. day job, quit your day job. <laughs> but this was this was something where I was like, OK, we're still in the shop drawing phase of this. I okay. could easily take this 10 foot monolith and shrink it down. So that's what I'm saying is there's a very fine line of of wasting a client's time and money. Uh huh or allowing something to happen for a design god to descend upon a project where you know that it's speaking to you. And, you know, I got to say that even when they were in the construction phase, a few things got tweaked, but this design team, including the contractor, has been really mindful about all communicating about when the ship has sailed. Mm, Okay. Yeah. So it's like after this rough, yeah, like after this rough in phase, any changes are going to cost. And that's where it's just that's where I would always tell clients, if you're about to build something or really do a renovation, it's so good to hire 
a design team mm-hmm. that is so seasoned in in their job because that is where a lot of things cost is where yeah. someone suddenly is like, I don't want the light switches right there. I want to scoot them over 13 inches for art. And you're like, why didn't you say that when we yes. were doing electrical rough in? Yes. Yes. But people don't, if you're not trained, you don't think of those things. And so there's all this stress. Cause you're like, I know I can't think of everything. And that's why yeah. people like you <laughs> are needed. Um, yeah. Yeah. I could talk to you forever and I, I hope talk we talk to you again. forever. Again. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I, I'm going to wrap us up here and ask you the question that everybody knows I'm going to ask you, which is why. Wait, clear my throat. Clear that. my throat. <laughs> Are you ready for your close up? Girl, ready. <laughs> I really thought about this, actually. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Here's why I think style matters. I mean, let's say big picture in the, in the state of the world. Yeah. Right. Like it matters in air quotes, but I think it is, I I, I was falling asleep thinking about this last night. I just think, and it kind of goes to what we've been talking about. It's just a window into someone's heart and soul and mind. Mm. And it, it is such a personal experience that we're so privileged to be a part of. But when you see how someone loves to live and what they love to be surrounded by, it is such a glimpse into their tenderness, their Mm. history. Um, it's, it's very personal. And I started to think like, okay, we, we work on some of these amazing projects, big and small, but there's this show that I love, um, called alone where these people are thrust into the wilderness to just survive with nothing. Okay. And this is crazy. But the thing that I love the most about that show is watching them create their shelter. They have nothing. They have nothing. And some of them, it's very utilitarian. Mm-hmm. It's like bed, pot, you know, a hook. Yeah, yeah. And, right. up, and and seriously, and others are like picking up shells from the beach oh, yes. or making their bed a little softer. And as I'm watching them feather their nest and make their environment, I'm like, oh, even with nothing. That's why, yeah. like, even if you look at someone's dorm room, their style in their environment, it's giving me goosebumps saying it. <laughs> it's so, but it's so personal. It's why I love my job so much because you just, you have such a connected connection to their heart. Mm. And so that's why I think it matters. I mean, it doesn't matter big picture. We all are supposed to be nice people and love each other and treat each other with kindness. But, but if you're just looking at something from a purely aesthetic point of view, mm-hmm. you, you can still see a glimmer into their kindness and yeah. to how they love to live. So that's, I mean, I really, I was falling asleep last night being like, <laughs> man, these poor kids. I mean, we just had to like all these tragedies in the world. And I'm like, right. I don't talk about why style matters. I know. Oh, believe like, me. I, I <laughs> grapple with that all the time. I know. But it does matter. I mean, it, it really does. That's how we all, I mean, look at like Peshmerel and all these cave paintings and stuff. You, yeah. you know, Rad and I took, my husband and I took this trip to Santa Fe. And we were looking at these rock, these houses. Oh, a bandolier and, national monument. Yes. Yeah. And just looking at how they feathered their nest, right. their personal style. It is something that we've been doing as humans since, you know, as we've evolved. So it does matter. It shows how we survive, how we yes. live, how we love. Absolutely. So that, and I think yeah. everyone deserves to live in beauty, whatever, however they define that, you know, it's not just about, I mean, it is okay. It is about food and shelter and water. Okay. I get that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I get that we're not talking about saving people's lives, but I, I do think that there's a kernel there that is, that's kind of shouting out saying beauty, beauty, we, we need it. We need it. And so, yeah, that was wonderful. 
I, that's, I mean, I do, I do believe, and that's what I'm saying. Like, even if you look at that show and you see some of these things that you wouldn't necessarily look at their shelter and call it beautiful per se, but it's, it's working for them because it's, it's allowing them to rest, refuel, dream, yeah. eat, survive, so, yeah. survive. And that's what I'm saying. So I think everyone's house, that's why I always, when I'm going back to what I tell my clients, like they do have an inherent style. It's just like mm-hmm. when kids, when kids are like, I don't know how to draw. And I'm like, yeah, you do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you do. You, someone just told you, you don't know how to draw. Cause when you're two, you don't think you can't draw. Exactly. So it's, that's, that's why, but you're right. The beauty thing, it's allowing people to feel comforted and it's just, it makes them feel calm and enveloped in their space. Right. Right. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Well, that was beautifully said. Come to Richmond and play with me. I want to be your friend. (laughs) When can I come? When can I come? Tomorrow. Yeah, I would love to. And I will. I promise. I'm not even just saying that. I'm not even just saying that. I really want you to. This was so fun. I'm really thrilled that you wanted to talk. This is such a fun way to spend my afternoon. It's even better than what I thought it was going to be when I'm in like, like, you know, drooling over your pictures. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, I hope that was helpful and inspiring. Do check out our website, littleyellowcouch.com, where you can see photos and links from this episode, learn about my slow style approach to design, and grab your free style guide to get you started on your signature style today. Have a great week. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening. I know your time is valuable and I really do appreciate you spending it with me. And please, please, please take a minute to leave a review for Slow Style Home wherever you get your podcasts. It honestly does help keep this show on the air and your feedback is highly valuable to me. Have a great day and I'll be back in your earbuds soon. Bye for now.